Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Uh, but really is a privilege to be able to preach this morning, privilege to be able to, to, to minister. As I said, it is the new year. My name is Tyler. I'm part of the team here at Life Changes. If you guys are wondering where are Mark and Candace, Mark did send me a photograph this morning of himself on a hammock camping in the Cedarburg. Um, so, so things are tough on that side. Um, but they're, uh, they're on uh, some very well-deserved leave. They're away for two weeks, but they'll be back really, really soon. Um, so if you were wondering where they were, that's where they are this morning. And for many of you, you're still on holiday. Some of you start work tomorrow. I know how excited you all are. I can see it in your eyes. All the, the school going people in the room are going, we've still got two days, which is exciting. There we go. Somebody, um, but as I said, it is the new year. It's a new season. What I've always found incredible about the new year is on the 31st of December, everyone is very tired. Very tired. If you talk to them, like, it's been a hectic year. And then on the 1st of January, they are so pumped. They're like, I've got energy forever. It's like this miracle happens at midnight on the, on the 31st of December, which is really great. So that all of your employers have got fresh people ready for the new year, which is good. Um, and if you are an employee, all going, yes, they're coming back fresh, um, which is really good. But as we know, it is the new year. It is the season for New Year's resolutions and all those sorts of things. And so this morning, we're gonna, um, I'm going to be preaching a sermon entitled, Renew You. Okay, we'll get there. Don't worry. Everyone will get it by the end, which is cool. But actually, as we know, at this time of year, there's a couple of different things that happen. The first one, and, and probably the most excited industry in the world, is Virgin Active and the gym industry on the 1st of January. Because as we know, everybody is taking out gym contracts. And, and not only are people taking out gym contracts, they are in fact going to the gym to take out the contracts and then leaving. That was a highlight for me as I went to gym to go and play squash with a friend of mine on uh, somewhere this week. He, he walked, I saw somebody walk in, they filled in all the forms. They were in their gym outfit. They filled in all the forms. I saw the lady at the counter hand over the gym card. They looked with excitement. They got that free bag that I never got. So if anyone works for Virgin Active, but, um, and, and they, they got the card and the excitement in their eyes and they put the card in their purse and then they said, thank you so much in their gym outfit, and then walked out the door. <laughs> well, you've ticked the first box of your New Year's resolution, which is good. For for many of you, Monday is the big day, am I right? Today you're finishing the leftovers from Christmas. You're going to have that last piece of milk tart, that last piece of Malva pudding, that last piece of gammon, and then you're starting tomorrow, am I right? Be honest. Yeah, I can see it in your eyes, which is really good. Um, some of you have started waking up far earlier than what you normally do to go for runs, which is not something that you normally do, which is exciting as the new year does. Um, some of you have finally put up those, those Christmas frames that you got as a gift last Christmas that your wife has been asking you to do the whole year, which I mean is exciting. Some of you have finally cleaned out the Tupperware cupboard. Who fears the Tupperware cupboard? I fear the Tupperware. I open that thing and I'm like, Lord, put your hand in and you pull out whatever comes out and you're like, that's what I'm using. It has no lid. It's way too small, but I'm going to use this. So some of you have gotten there, which is really good. And, and actually, I know that this time of year really is a time where we go big on committing to do a whole bunch of new things. 
We want to, and actually those are good things. It is good to take time to reassess. That is the joy of holidays often is they, they afford us an opportunity to kind of reassess, process what the year was and go, well, okay, what do I want out of 2019? But the overarching thing that we see from New Year's resolutions, from putting, uh, sorting out gifts, sorting out houses, figuring things out, putting plans in place, starting on Monday, all of those things, the overarching thing that we get out of that is that actually every single one of us desire change. I think there are probably very few people in this room who can sit here this morning and go, there is no area of my life that I desire to change. Because that is, for all intents and purposes, what a New Year's resolution is. It is a, I so desire to change in that area that I'm going to wait until the 1st of January because that's when I'm going to be most excited about changing and then putting it in the calendar for then. And, and so we, we, we so desire to change. I remember when I was in grade 11, um, and which is scarily quite a few years ago, um, but actually I was in grade 11. We went on a school hike. We went up the Drakensberg. We were going to look at rock paintings and things, but it was quite a hike. I don't know if there are any hikers in the house. You know, you have to wear those interesting shoes that are actually like socks, but are shoes. And then you also have to have ropes and it's all sorts of things. And I was in grade 11. I had never been rock climbing before. And I remember us climbing up and down and going through things. And, and I am somewhat claustrophobic so I don't enjoy very tight spaces. And I remember, and I wasn't the most athletic high schooler, I'm going to be honest with you. I know it's hard to believe with this physique. Um, And I remember going on this hike and going, and we had to go through a very, very small hole underneath in. So there was this kind of chasm and then this massive piece of rock and a really small hole that you had to kind of crawl through to get to the other side so that we could see the rock paintings. And so everybody decided that they were going to go through the hole. And, and I remember if you were a, a smaller person, you could kind of just scuttle through and you'd get through the hole. But if you were a slightly larger person, what had to happen was you had to Basically, it's terrible. I can't believe they did this to us. You had to put your arms in the hole, and the person on the other side had to grab your hands and pull you through the hole, right? Which, fine, I can get around, because obviously the great prize of rock paintings is on the other side. And so I put my hands through the hole, and the strongest guy in our grade grabs my hands on the other side and starts to pull, and I'm moving through, and I'm like, yes, it's going to end soon, it's going to end soon, and then all of a sudden... And I was like, okay, I was stuck. And in that moment, I made this commitment to myself. I said, something's got to change. Because I had eaten way too many mince pies that year. And after a lot of wriggling and moving and shifting and attempting to turn, they finally got me through. I remember um, about two weeks ago, we were on our way to the incredible wedding of Darren and Courtney um, Netling, who, who got married in the middle of December. And I thought, I thought, you know, I want to look dapper at this wedding, and so I decided to put on, or I decided rather to try on, my wedding shirt, and as as one knows, your wedding shirt just always fits, because it's your wedding shirt, and so 11 months later, or not even 10 and a half months later, I took my wedding shirt out, and you know when you're not sure if a piece of clothing is going to fit, you look at it, and you kind of size it up, then you look at yourself in the mirror, you go, I'm sure it'll be fine. And then I took it out, I unbuttoned it, I put it on, and as I tried to close the buttons, I realized that something has got to change. Am I right? And actually, we all have this deep desire to see change come. And so for some of us, it's these frivolous things like we want to lose weight or we want to become the fittest athlete in the world or we want to run the comrades 
which those crazy people did this year, bless you. Um, and, and actually we want to do all these things and we want to change things. And, but the challenge is for some people, this desire to change is a far more serious thing. For some people potentially sitting in this room, you are in marriages that are in a very tough space. And you're going, something's got to change. For some of you in this room, you might be struggling with addiction or anxiety or depression. And you're going, something has got to change. For, for some people in this room, you might be fighting very, very big, dark things in your world. And your deepest desires for things to change. And so the new year comes around and we go, I'm going to get this right this year. And, and so this morning, what I'd love to do is I'd love to take a few moments to talk about what it looks like to change from a God perspective. Because I think so often we spend a lot of time getting people's perspectives. We spend a lot of time getting people's opinions. We spend a lot of time watching Oprah for some strange reason. When we start this journey of I want to change, and, and, and unfortunately, even for those who are believers in Christ, we do not look to the Word of God to understand what it looks like to change as a believer. And so this morning, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey. I'd love to put a scripture up behind me. It's Romans 12.2. Many of you would have heard it before, perhaps some not. It goes like this. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. I'm going to read verse 2 again. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that as we gather here this morning, Father, as at a full house on the 6th of January 2019, God, I pray that your word would speak to us, Father. I pray that as we enter this space, we would not simply arrive here this morning going, I just wanted to come to church to have a coffee. Yes, that's amazing, God, but actually we want to see transformation and change come in hearts and lives, God. And more than that, this Father, I pray this morning that you would develop deeper and more intimate relationships with your sons and daughters, God. We pray that in your incredible name, Jesus. Amen. If you have a Bible or a notebook with you, please take it out. If you have a cell phone, maybe make some notes. We believe in making notes just because it's really hard to remember 30, 40 minutes of content. So it just gives us an opportunity to reflect afterwards. But as I was preparing this message, I, I felt as I was reading that scripture, and I've read it many times before, that word transform jumped out at me. And I, I was just looking at definitions and thoughts and what it meant to transform. And, and so often we are looking for the 2.0 version of ourselves. You know, when the iPhone 10 comes out, the iPhone, I don't know why they missed 9, but the, the, the 8 is kind of obsolete. You know, we go, oh, you might as well throw it away because now the 10's here. It does exactly the same thing, but the 8's obsolete, so we throw it away. And, and so what we are perpetually doing is we are looking for a better version of an old thing. We're looking for a better version of ourselves. But I want to tell you this morning that actually the word transform means to, in its very nature, change. At, in your very nature to change. It means that the thing that was is no longer. There is a new thing. And the gospel teaches us that when we come to Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. But so often the challenge with that is the fact that actually you commit your life to Christ 
and you wake up the next morning and you look at the same person in the mirror. And you go, but the Bible says that, but actually what we understand is that God takes us on a journey of transformation. He takes us on a journey of of no longer being this old person and actually takes us on this incredible journey of becoming everything that he has designed us to be. That is what transformation is. It is not a better version of yourself. It is a new person. The gospel doesn't just create 2.0 version. No, it creates a new version. And that is what I believe God wants to do in our lives because when there is newness, the old becomes unattractive. But when we are just trying to make the old better, we still fixate on those things. And I believe God wants to bring newness this morning. You see, in this text, we read the transformation comes when we allow God to change us from the inside out. In, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels, there is this amazing moment when, when Jesus is speaking to Pharisees, and Pharisees were kind of the religious elite of the day. They were those who spent days and years in study of the text, and they understood things, and they were clever, and they were ahead of others in, in social standing. And, and he's having a conversation with them, and he's actually saying, guys, you know what? You know all this stuff, but there are a couple of challenges with your walk. And he says this. He says, you are like whitewashed tombs. You look amazing on the outside, but there are dead bones on the inside. I don't know when last somebody said that to you, but that is a hectic thing to say to somebody. It is this kind of this this deep core challenge where Jesus is saying, actually, you work so hard on the outside. You know everything. You are you're whitewashed. It is this beautiful thing that when the sun hit uh, that thing in that day, it would shine. It's this beautiful entity on the outside. But actually, there are dead bones on the inside. And when we read in the, in the beginning of the Gospels, we read about Jesus' very first miracle. And Jesus' very first miracle is to turn water into wine. What do we know about wine? It changes us from the inside out. You see, Jesus, I don't believe, was just simply doing a party favor in this moment. No, he was saying, you guys might believe in changing from the outside in. I have come to transform from the inside out. And the challenge is that we have to engage with change in a different way if we want to see ourselves transform from the inside out. And so what this does is it actually debunks the the thought process around New Year's resolutions, around if I just get better at doing that thing, my life will get better. No, sir or ma'am, this morning I want to tell you, when you get closer to Jesus, your life will transform. Your mind will change. Your heart will change. You will change from the inside out. The world teaches us that in order to change, we must work hard on the outside, become better, work harder, get fitter, do better at your job. No, the gospel teaches us that God transforms us from the inside out. And so this morning, I'd love to take a moment to, to mention three things that I believe the scriptures teach us that if we devote ourselves to, we will see the transformation that God intends for us. Is that good? The first one is we need to devote ourselves to his will. And uh, there's this incredible scripture in Matthew 22. It's, it's this moment where the, the teachers of the law are engaging with Jesus. And they're saying to him, well, Jesus, uh, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And, and what they were hoping for is that he would reference something or give them 10 ways to be better. And his response is this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. If you're looking for a tick box this morning to become a better you, it's very simply this. Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Because actually transformation is an overflow of relationship with Jesus. Devote yourself to God's first and primary will for your life is relationship with Him. You see, religion says that we must tick a group of boxes. Religion says that you need to do better to earn God's approval. And so what do we do? Even as believers in Christ who who believe in grace and we believe in this thing of I don't have to do to achieve, we still slip into this reality in our daily lives. We come to church and we go, I believe in the grace of God. You know, God's forgiven me entirely, but then we live our lives as if we have to tick boxes to make him happy. But actually, the reality is that we live like Jesus when we are close to Jesus. You know, something I've learned after my 11 months of of marriage is the more I fall in love with my wife, the more I want to serve her. Yesterday, we were just sitting on the couch, and yes, yes, it'll be our moment. We're just sitting on the couch, and I just looked over, and I looked at my wife, and I can honestly say in 11 months, I am more in love with her than the day we got married. And so that creates a desire in my heart to serve her well. You see, the gospel works in this way. The closer we come to Jesus, the more we desire to serve him. The more we desire to live a life that he delights in. But so quickly we get this reversed. We start to process it through the lens of if I live a life that delights him, he will love me. No, sir or ma'am. Change comes when we come close to Jesus. You see, the gospel is not in its very design not a performance enhancer. It is a relationship restorer. We come to church so frequently with this thing of, you know what, if I just get my top up for the week, then I'll behave well this week. If I just come and get a little bit of fuel for my, my car this week, I'll be able to push through all the things that I have to do this week. No, the purpose of the gospel is so that we can be restored into relationship with Jesus. Which means that the gospel's primary end was for you to have relationship, which means that its primary purpose in your life is to perpetuate that relationship, is to grow that relationship, is for that relationship with God, with Jesus, to become deeper and stronger. You see, Jesus did not come so that we could behave better. He came so that fallen humanity could have a father again could have a father again. Many of us live these fatherless lives, this directionless reality, and we try and do the things that we think we need to do better. But actually, this text teaches us that when we come closer to God, when we allow him to transform our minds, he does this thing. He shows us his will. He shows us his will when we are close to him. And that scripture doesn't mean that he's going to give you a map of how to live your life. No, it means that he's going to teach you in the very depths of your soul what it looks like to live for Jesus. When you are engaged in a moment, in a decision, I I met with a gentleman a couple of weeks ago who wanted to know how to make a decision. And I very simply said this, get closer to Jesus. Because why? He will teach you what his will looks like. He will teach you how to engage with the big decisions. You see, the big decisions for Jesus are not an opportunity for you to prosper more. It's an opportunity for you to become closer to him. The Bible teaches us that when we are in big moments, God is saying to us, look to me. That is what it teaches. That is the heart 
of change. If you were here this morning thinking, I need to behave better, I need to tick more boxes, I need to get to church on the 6th of January, the first service of the year, so I can tick a God box. No, so ma'am, I want to say to you this morning that the father very simply wants deep relationship with his sons and daughters. Throw the checklist out the window. Let us become devoted to his will. Number one, devote yourself to his will. Number two, devote yourself to his word. The beginning of the Psalms, David writes this incredible Psalm in Psalm 1. There's a part of it on the screen. It says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. I don't know about you, but when I read that text, I just feel life come into me. I don't know about you. When I, I read that scripture where it says, it says these amazing words, it says, this person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Don't you find that the most refreshing place is to be next to water? When we go on holiday, we head for the water. When we go camping, we want to be next to a lake or a river or something because actually there's this, this natural principle of refreshing and life that comes. Well, Jesus is saying, if you get stuck into my word, it's like being next to a stream of living water. It's this constant refreshing. And not only is it refreshing, but it causes us to prosper. But the challenge is that we think if we do more, we will prosper. The book of Hebrews teaches us this. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. You see what that text is saying? Is it saying that the word of God penetrates the inside, not the outside? That's what it's teaching us. It's this reality that when I read the word, something happens inside of me. I know for years and years or or many occasions over the years that I've been a believer in Christ, I've opened the Word of God and I've read and I've read and I've read and I've been like, okay, that was cool. Not, I didn't like get any major revelation, but actually after many times of doing that, I saw that actually there was transformation happening on the inside of me. Transformation that I didn't even know was happening. All of a sudden your responses to people change and you're like, I don't why is that was weird normally i would have shouted at that guy he did not put my tire on properly you know there's this there's the sense of of how you start to change from the inside out the word of god is the key vessel that god has given us to transform us so many i love her and i've used this this little statement before but uh wally gersmeyer the man who used to lead this church he made this statement he said if you want to hear the audible voice of god read the bible aloud You know, so often we desire this kind of word from God. And he's saying, I gave you a couple of thousand pages of it. Engage with my word. This morning, what I'm trying to do is give us a roadmap to transformation. Yes, the gym is a good thing. Yes, eating better is a good thing. But I want to say to you, sir or ma'am, giving yourself to the will of God and to the word of God will see true and lasting transformation come. This psalm shows us a promise that is found throughout God's word. Is that when we give ourselves to him, when we give ourselves to his word and the things that it teaches us, we will prosper. You know, nine out of ten conversations that I have with my friends, with people who I connect with, with people in this church is this conversation of I am here and I desire to be here. 
You know, when we're engaging with our friends, they're going, I just want my business to do better. I just want a raise from my boss. I just want this. I just want that. And, and so what we end up doing is we put these 10-step processes in place to, to get better. And I'm not saying that those are bad things. Those are very good things. But we have to teach ourselves at the beginning of a new year that the first place we go to is Jesus. The first place we go to is His Word. Why? Because it leads us and it guides us. I want to ask you this morning, where will you plant yourself? Will you plant yourself by streams of living water? Or will you plant yourself in the swamps that we are so easily attracted to? So often we, when I first read this text, I remember seeing a vision and I felt God say this to me. Well, not a vision so much, but just a picture in my brain. That sounded very, very serious. Um, But actually, I just saw this picture in my mind. I saw this picture of a tree being lifted out of the ground and moved and planted somewhere else. And I, and I asked God, well, are you, are you going to do that in my life? And I felt God say, no, you're going to do that in your life. I was like, okay, how does that work? No, actually, we have to make a decision to plant ourselves by streams of living water. You see, the water will make you grow. The water will bring prosperity. The water will bring life. But we have to make a choice to get ourselves out of the muck and the mire and actually go, God, I want to plant myself by streams of living water. I want to choose to stop reading those self-help books that we all buy on the 1st of January, and I want to start engaging with your word, God. I believe that Jesus wants to bring transformation in our lives, but we have to give ourselves to the principles that he gives us to do that. You see, God is not wanting you, I, I truly don't believe that Jesus is checking how much time you spend reading the Bible every day. I don't think that when you get to heaven one day, he's going to have a ledger with every date of your life and the number of minutes you spend reading the Bible. I really don't believe he's going to do that. What he is going to do is he's going to ask you the question, did you know me? That's the question he asks us. But the challenge is that we process our lives with tick boxes. Uh, I was having a conversation with a, an amazing teacher of the Bible once, and he, he painted this picture for me. He said, actually, we, what we do is we create spider diagrams for our lives. And, and you know, the top box, we put God and then the next box is like family, because family is like two. But if you like don't like your family a lot, then friends are two and family is three. And you know how that all works. And, and then you kind of create your list and you go, this is important, this is important. And you end up with this jotted down list of what's my first priority, second priority, third priority. And the challenge with that sort of thinking is that you are putting God in a box which gets allocated a certain amount of time in your life. But he painted this picture for me. He said, imagine a circle and out of that circle, everything flows. Actually, God is in the center of our lives, and out of that space, everything flows. Everything, whether it be our work, our family, our schooling, our friendships, all of these things, out of relationship with Jesus, those things flow. I want to say to you, you need to stop trying to put God on a level of your life and allow Him to sit on the throne of your life. So that out of, out of, in everything you make decisions, you go to Him, you engage with Him. Number one, give yourself to his will. Number two, give yourself to his word. And thirdly, give yourself to his ways. Um, In in Luke 4, there's this incredible scripture about a a woman at a well. And and what it teaches us about this, this text is it says that this woman came to the well every day, but she came in the middle of the day. And the reason that she came in the middle of the day was actually nobody went to the well in the middle of the day because it was boiling hot. But she came in the middle of the day because she didn't want to be there when anybody else was there. 
And the reason she did that was because actually the, the Bible teaches us after her conversation with Jesus that she had five husbands, which tells us that she was a woman of disrepute in community. She was a, a, a prostitute among those people, and she was living with a man at that time who was not her husband as well. You see, the, the religious dictators of the day would have said that that woman should not be engaged with. That woman should not be spoken to. That woman is an outcast in our society, and we should treat her as such. That's what they would have taught the people in that day. But in this moment in the, in the Bible, we see Jesus engaged with this woman. And what does he do? He travels a longer distance to get to the place where she was. He meets her at the well in the middle of the day when it, it is its hottest. And he sits with this woman and he has a conversation with her. He had broken three rules just doing that. Jewish people did not go the route that he took. They did not speak to Samaritan woman. He had broken countless cultural rules just by engaging with this woman. The people would have seen him as unclean for speaking to her. But what does Jesus do? He acts in a way that is different to everything else. He acts in a way that his father taught him. In the book of John, it says, I do what I see my father doing. So what is Jesus doing in this moment? He's engaging with this woman and showing her who God is. He's loving. He's kind. He's compassionate. He speaks truth into her life, but he speaks truth in love. And at the end of the conversation, she, he says to her, actually, no, I'm not too worried about the water in the well. What I want to do is I want to give you living water. But you know that I believe that conversation started with Jesus showing her compassion. With Jesus going a route that he never should have gone. And you know, when we allow relationship with Jesus, when we allow his word to permeate our souls, the way we do life changes. Now what I'm not saying is go buy a pair of sandals and start walking around and talking to people. No, so often we take those things literally. We don't have to do exactly what Jesus did. We don't have to move to where Jesus lived and go and do what Jesus did. No, we need to live in the ways that Jesus lived. Because not only does that bring transformation to our own hearts, it brings transformation to the world in which we live. And God's primary desire with your life is firstly depth of relationship, and secondly, is to see you live a life that that shows who he is. You see, when we live in the ways of Jesus, we allow ourselves to be transformed. I've got a friend of mine who uh, we live with, who, who his name is Gerard, and I love him to bits. He hasn't been around for two weeks. He's been staying a uh, house-sitting someone's house, but I was just chatting to him the one day, and he was telling me about, uh, or actually we were chatting, and he does soup kitchen in our church. And Soup Kitchen, every second Saturday morning, they get in cars, they drive to Danoon, one of the toughest areas of Danoon, and they feed a group of children. And I remember, and this guy, he works night shifts. So he works in a restaurant, he gets home 12, 1, 2 in the morning on a Friday night. But every Saturday morning, he's up at hopper 6, he showers, he gets in his car, he drives to the church, he helps them make sandwiches and soup, and then they go to Danoon. And I said to him one day, Bruce, don't you just want to take a break? And he said, no, you know, going there is actually good for my soul. See, in our minds, we are helping people, but actually through doing, the acts to, through doing those things, through acts of compassion, living in the ways of Jesus, we see transformation come to our own heart. Now, I'm not saying we all have to go to soup kitchen, but what I am saying is that we need to start engaging with God's word and asking Jesus, how do I live in your ways? Because actually, when you go to work on Monday, it's an opportunity to live in God's ways. 
When you are engaging with your family, it's an opportunity to live in God's ways. The way you respond to your children is an opportunity to live the way that Jesus did. You see, this morning, I'm not trying to give you a bunch of tick boxes to to live your life by. No, I'm trying to show you that devotion to Jesus will see change come in our lives. Trying to show you that devotion to the one who loves us. The Bible describes him as the lover of our souls. When we give ourselves to Jesus, things start to change. And so this year, as we uh, as we head into 2019, I want to ask you this question. Will you devote yourself to God? Or will you devote yourself to the other lists that you've created? Will you allow God to transform you from the inside out? Or will you allow, or are you going to allow yourself to try and do it on your own? Because the challenge with New Year's resolutions, the challenge with all of those things, is eventually we miss the mark. Was, uh, what, uh, as one does on, on holiday, I was watching a television program which really I shouldn't have ever watched because it really wasn't very interesting at all. But what it was, was this little lady would come into people's houses and help them clean their house. That's what I spent my holiday watching. Um, and she came into their house and she taught them how to fold their clothes, which I thought was incredible. And I felt quite good because that was how I fold my clothes. Um, and she taught them how to pack their Tupperware cupboard, which was incredible. And she taught them how to do all these things. And, and what's incredible about this is for those two weeks, they cleaned and that house was sparkling. But then she came back a month later and yes, they were better, but there were dishes in the zinc again. The clothes weren't folded exactly the way she had taught them. They hadn't packed the kids' toys exactly in the baskets that had been allocated. There were a few things laying in the garage that were not supposed to be in that spot in the garage. And you see, the challenge is when we try to do things in our own strength, it's a slow fade. But eventually, we fall short. Eventually, we go, I started out so well. I even got a little lady to help me clean this up. But actually... We end up on the other side going, what went wrong? And the challenge with all of these things, you see, doing a hundred different things to achieve the change that you desire is good. But if you have not first come to the Father and asked Him to change you from the inside out, you will not live a transformed life. Because when the Bible promises it, we believe it. And the Bible promises us that if we let God transform our minds, transform us from the inside, we will see real life altering change. Can I pray for us this morning? Can I actually ask us to stand as we, as we land the meeting? And uh, I really believe that uh, as we've engaged with this, these kind of thoughts this morning, my, my heart would not be that we would go, oh, that was cool. My heart is that actually we would adjust the way we process changing our lives. We would adjust the way we process our next steps in life. Because God has got a map for us. He's got a plan for us. But he doesn't show us the whole thing because when he shows us the bits and pieces, it requires relationship. It says he's a lamp to our feet. And so as I pray this morning, I pray that you would allow God not to change a particular thing, but to change the way that you process the decisions and things in your life. So Father, this morning as we as we've engaged with your word, Father, as we've worshipped you, God, as we've, as we've cried out to you, Holy Spirit, I pray, Father, that you would teach us firstly, God, to step into your will, to step into relationship with you again, God, that it would not simply be a box on our agenda, God, but that you would be the thing from which everything flows, God.
that you would be our first port of call, Jesus. That you would be our very, very, very first thought when we are processing our lives, Father. That when we desire change, when we are in the toughest spaces of our lives, God, would our immediate reaction be to come to the foot of Jesus. I pray that you would change our first response, God. From making a plan to stepping into your plan, Jesus. Pray that, Father, this morning as we, as we step into your will, Father, you would teach us how to engage with your word. I pray, Father, that you would take preconceptions off people right now, God. That this is how you engage the Bible. And rather, Father, teach them the way you want them to engage with the Bible. Whether it be drawing pictures, whether it be listening, whether it be reading, whether it be all of these different things, God. Would you teach us, Father, how to see your word transform us, Dad? And as we engage in your will, as we engage in relationship with you, Jesus, as we, as we engage with your word, Father, I pray that you would teach us your ways. I pray that in 2019, our desire would be very simply to live like Jesus did. Because there is nothing more powerful and there is nothing more transformative than Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would start to transform hearts and minds in this room this morning, God. Transform us from the inside out, Jesus. Amen.